All right, let's pray. The, give a praise. I uh, wanted to share the video with you tonight just to introduce this new partnership uh, that Church of the Island has with Redeemer Church Queens Park in London. Uh, really, when we launched Church of the Island, we just made a decision that missions would always be a priority, not only on South Mobile County, Dolphin Island, but literally around the world. As God continues to bless our church, we want to take the name of Jesus and we want to share it everywhere and establish these partnerships. So Thomas and Elizabeth are from Montgomery, and uh, they went with another couple to plant Redeemer Church in London. And you heard the uh, stats just a moment ago, over 11 11 million people, less than 2% of the population claim to be Christian. And so this is a post-Christian culture that is in desperate need of the gospel. So they went to plant Redeemer Church there in London, and just as they were landing and getting settled, guess what happened? A worldwide pandemic. Can imagine trying to plant a church, start a church when you can't gather. And so over the last year and a half, uh, they were just out in the parks just trying to introduce themselves to people, doing a lot of social media, some direct mailing. Uh, there were some teams that were able to travel over, and really what they did is just prayer walk and pass out flyers on doorsteps. And when they were first began to, or able to gather just a few months ago, there were 75 people in attendance. So imagine that. So God's hand is upon this church, and uh, we are excited to partner with them. So Church of the Island, Downtown Church, and Cottage Hill are working together to support financially Redeemer Church. But then also, we're going to be sending teams. This is a three-year partnership. What we made with Thomas and Elizabeth, Redeemer Church, we made a three-year commitment that over the course of the next three years, we will support them monthly financially and we'll also send teams. So over the next several months, we're going to be talking about an opportunity for you to go and, uh, and do ministry there with Thomas, with Elizabeth, with their team, and with Redeemer Church. So the other reason that I wanted to share this with you, and by the way, about every three or four weeks, we just kind of made a decision. Pastor David and I, that we need to just kind of keep before you the various partnerships that we have in uh, South Mobile County and in the greater Mobile area, as well as just internationally. So I strategically showed this video to you tonight about this partnership that we have in London, England, because as a reminder, there is only one church, amen, the church of the risen Christ. And then when we see things like this happening and God moving and God working, we need to be strategic about making the decision and the commitment to being a part of it. So there is this universal church, right? The church of the risen Christ. But then there's also the local church. There is a local church in Queens Park, London called Redeemer Church. There is a local church here on Dolphin Island called Church of the Island. And the reason I'm sharing all of this with you is because for the last several weeks, we've been making our way through what's called the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed is is the oldest document that just lays out the fundamentals, the foundations of the faith, 2,000 years, years old, that we just agree together as Christians, this is what we believe. And it's so important for us as a church, it's so important as Christians for us to say, you know what, this is what I believe and this is why I believe it. So we're taking the Apostles' Creed, these fundamentals of the faith, and we're just laying it next 
to the scriptures, again, reminding ourselves that our faith becomes stronger and deeper and that this is what we believe. Together, this is what we believe. So let's just walk through the Apostles' Creed here on the screen from what we've studied thus far. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. We think we're grateful that's not the end of the story. Amen. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father Almighty, whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. We're just going to stop there. Let's leave that on the screen for just a moment, Dawson. I believe in the Holy Spirit. We talked about this last week. Tonight, we're going to talk about the Holy Catholic Church. Now, I need you to take a deep breath and don't get nervous. I know you're a group of Baptists here tonight, and we say that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. I want to put your mind at ease tonight. Notice it's a little C, not a capital C, all right? If it were a capital C, that's referring, for example, to uh, the Roman Catholic Church. It's a little C, the word Catholic meaning universal. I believe in the one universal church of Jesus Christ, and I believe in the communion of saints. So there's a couple of things I want us to think about tonight. First of all, when we think about the one holy church, we're talking about the universal church, the universal church. And what that word means, Catholic, universal, all believers at all times in all locations, all believers all the time everywhere. So there's one church, one universal church. It also makes reference to oneness, to unity. That's what Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, is that we would be one together. So what we're confident in, what we believe in, is one church, one holy church, one unified church. The reason we come across, uh, come alongside a church like Redeemer Church in London, the reason we're going to be sending a team in May back to Cuba is because we have some local churches there that we're partnering together. We are together one in Jesus Christ. Now, what I want you to understand tonight is that the church is universal, but in the New Testament, the emphasis is upon the local church. Let me make that statement again. The church is universal, but all throughout the New Testament, we see the emphasis in the local church. It's the reason why the Apostle Paul wrote the church to who? To the church in Corinth, to the church in Galatia. The reason in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, Jesus speaks specifically to the local church in Ephesus, the local church in Smyrna. You see, it is God's design that all believers belong to a local church. I'm going to repeat that. It's God's design that all believers belong to a local church. Look up here for a second. I want us to just kind of give some clarification here. Belonging is not the same as going. 
See, all the time people make reference about I'm going to church. Hey, it's uh, tomorrow Sunday. It's Sunday evening. Are you going to be going to church? Belonging to a church is very different than going to a church. See, we use that verbiage a lot. We talk about, for example, uh, going to the ballpark, um, going to the movies, uh, going to Disney. When we use that phrasing, going somewhere, it implies that we're going in order to be entertained. We're going in order to have some needs met. Going is very different than belonging. Belonging implies involvement. Uh, Belonging implies um, uh, participation. And so when Jesus talks about establishing the church, when we see all throughout the first century and the beginnings, the establishment of the local church all throughout the New Testament, we see God's design for believers, all believers, to engage and belong in the local church. And so when people, you hear and I hear, you know, I believe in Jesus and I am a member and I belong to the universal church. I just don't belong to the local church. That is absolutely contrary to the New Testament teaching. You see, the universal church doesn't gather. The universal church doesn't gather for worship, doesn't gather for prayer, doesn't gather for service. In fact, the the, the universal church will not gather together for worship and praise and prayer and service until the Lord himself returns again. That's, again, the reason why Jesus teaches and the New Testament teaches of God's design of the local church. Now, you say, well, pastor, what does it look like? to belong to a church. What what is the local church is supposed to look like as believers belong to it? Well, I believe in Acts chapter 2, there is this beautiful snapshot of what it looks like when people, believers, belong to the local church. So it's Acts chapter 2. If you want to take your Bible tonight and find the book of Acts in chapter number 2, I mean, we're already, Acts chapter 1 is... uh, as Pentecost has occurred, the Holy Spirit's come, Jesus has ascended into heaven, and immediately 3,000 people are saved, and the local church begins in Jerusalem, and we read about the church in Acts chapter 2. Let's just stand in the honor of the reading of God's holy word, beginning in verse number 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. My God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. And as we gather every Sunday night, let me encourage you, take a pencil, take a pen, something you can write with. And the first thing that I want you to do tonight, I want you to circle that word all in your Bible. In verse number 43, that word all. The Bible says here that every 
everyone, every member of that church was filled with awe. Now, isn't that a great thought? I mean, as I read that about the first church, the early church, that as they gathered, it was literally an awesome experience. Every single person was filled with awe. And I'm going to be honest with you, as I read that and as I studied that, I began thinking about Church of the Island. And to be honest, I've just begun praying that as we gather on these Sunday nights, that, that we would all gather and there would be this sense of awe. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand. This was not simply a, a, an emotional experience that they were, they were having. It, it wasn't something that you can even conjure up. This was much more than that. This was much deeper than that. What the church was experiencing was this very deep sense of who God is and what God had done in sending Jesus, his son. And their lives had been so radically changed in meeting and encountering Jesus that every time they gathered for worship, for study, for prayer, for praise, there was this sense of awe. See, what I pray from the very beginning and the establishment, the launch of Church of the Island, that Church of the Island would be so much like the first church, that we would be so much like the first century church. And so that's why I want us to look at it together tonight. Now, the question that you and I would have is this. Why were these people, as the church gathered, why were they filled with awe? Why? Why were they filled with all? And I believe this. I believe they were filled with all because they took Jesus seriously. I mean, they just, they, they knew that he was alive. They knew that he was working. They took Jesus seriously. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, they were living out their faith. I mean, they were all in. This wasn't just going to church for them. This wasn't just religion for them. This was a new identity. This was their life. And it was literally awesome. Now, the key to understanding what was happening in this first church, this early church, is in the phrase in verse number 42, they devoted themselves to. As a matter of fact, I just want to encourage you to underline, as I did in my Bible, I underlined that phrase, they devoted themselves to. And what happens next is the writer there begins to list the things that they were devoted to. So let's pause there for a second. Church of the Island, as we grow, as we evolve, my prayer is that we become more and more like the first church, more and more like the first century church. And what we read about that church is that every time they gathered, there was a sense of awe. There was a sense of expectation. I wonder what God is going to do this time. I wonder what God's going to do as we encounter him and this moving and filling of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that they had this sense of all because they devoted themselves. And then there's a list of things that they devoted themselves to. Now, you could take all of those things and you could actually divide them into two categories. They devoted themselves, first of all, they devoted themselves to loving God. They devoted themselves to loving God. And then they also devoted themselves into loving 
people. And those are the two things I want us to think about tonight. First of all, they devoted themselves to loving God. Now, we know that because of two things that we read in this passage. First of all, they were committed to the word of God. You see that? They were committed themselves to the word of God. Look back at verse number 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' what? Teaching. To the apostles' teaching. And so think about this. The apostles, all 12 minus Judas, had a body of teaching. They had material uh, or knowledge that they were imparting to the people. The Bible tells us that after the resurrection, Jesus gathered with his apostles. He gathered with those first believers. And for 40 days, Jesus taught them, the Bible says. What did he teach them? Well, he taught them first how he was the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament prophecy. Every single prophecy in the Old Testament concerning the Christ, concerning the Messiah, concerning the Savior, he was the fulfillment. And he taught them that. He showed them that. Then he taught them about his life and his ministry and his death and his burial and his resurrection and then his ascension and how he would one day come again and there would be a new heaven and a new earth. And so he taught them for 40 days. So the early church, the first church, as they gathered, they sat under the apostles' teaching. They knew that as Christians, as believers, the priority for them, watch this, was to receive God's word. You say, well, pastor, why, why is that important? Think about this. The first Five days of creation. God created the, the stars and the moon and the sun and, of course, the earth. And he scooped up the mountains and he, and he, uh, and he, and he scooped out the seas and he planted the, uh, he created the animals and the trees and the plants and he created everything. But then the Bible says that on the sixth day, he created what? Mankind. And then the Bible says that after he created mankind, do you know what he did? He spoke to mankind. He had not spoke before that. In other words, he didn't, he didn't say to the trees, now spread out your branches, you know, sink down your roots. He didn't say to the skunk, now I need you to stink really, really bad. He didn't say to cats, all right, I just need you to ignore everybody and do your own thing. Right? He only spoke to mankind. You say, well, Alan, what's the lesson here? What's the, the lesson is this. God designed mankind to receive God's word. And that's why it's so crucial. And the early church knew that. The Bible says that every time they gathered, they devoted themselves to receiving God's word. That's so important. When you and I gather every Sunday night, really our time together is divided into two parts. There's this one part in which we worship and we praise and we pray. And the second half is that we dive into the word of God and we receive God's word. It's crucial. It's crucial, and that's what they were devoting themselves to. Why? Because they loved God, and they wanted to receive God's word. Not only were they committed to God's word, but they were committed to the worship of God. 
We actually see this in several places. We see it in verse number 42. It says that uh, they devoted themselves to prayer. It says they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, which means they took communion together, the Lord's Supper together. And then down in verse number 47, it says that they were praising God. Now, why is that important? Why is it important that every time they gathered, they devoted themselves to prayer, to praise, to worship? Why is that important? Because God expects it and God demands it. C.S. Lewis, when he was fresh in his faith, when he was a fairly new believer, he struggled with this aspect of God demanding worship. And he prayed over it and he analyzed it and he studied it and he came to this realization. He said, we just naturally praise whatever we find valuable, whatever we find impressive, whatever we find crucial, whatever we find important, we have a tendency to praise. And so if we find God to be valuable, and if we find God to be beautiful and impressive, then of course what? We're going to praise him. And so if you have found God impressive, if you found God valuable, then you want to gather and you want to praise him. So C.S. Lewis also noted this. He said we have a tendency is that, is that when we find something worth praising is that we actually want to tell other people to join us in that praise. In other words, it may be, for example, you receive a text. Someone sends you a text that is impressive, something that is astounding. When you receive that text, what do you do? You automatically look around with someone that you can share it with because you want them to join you in that praise. This was a few weeks ago. And I was at the gym, and I was on the elliptical, and, um, and so the gym that I was at, and we were doing these, because of COVID, not everyone was on every piece of equipment. In fact, there were two other ellipticals next to me that were empty, but then there was another one, and there was a, another uh, guy on that elliptical, and he was, it appeared, he was like me. He was just praying not that he wouldn't die on that piece of equipment. Amen. And so there was uh, several TVs. There was one particular TV that I was watching as I was counting down the time so I could just survive and say that I did my 20 minutes of cardio. And so I'm watching and this particular TV uh, was on ESPN, uh, specifically Sports Center, And it came on in which they were doing the top 10 plays of the week. And I was watching that. I was being entertained by that till they came to the number one top play of the week. And here was the play. The play was this baseball player and he is running full steam as fast as he can go. And he just leaps into the air and he stretches out. And for a moment there, it almost appeared that he was flying. He went so high into the air and so far in stretching himself out, reaching out, extending his glove. And he made this miraculous, incredible, I'm talking about astounding catch as he just hit the ground. And it was remarkable. In fact, when I when he landed on the ground and you could see that he caught that ball, I just couldn't help myself. I said, wow. Well, at the same time I said, wow, the guy two uh, ellipticals down, he said, whoa, at the same time. And we looked at each other and I said, that was crazy. And he looked at me and said, unbelievable. And we 
had that moment together, right? And he went back to his elliptical. I went back to my elliptical. And, uh, but we had this moment together. Like, who can we share this moment with? This, this uh, moment of something that we've observed that is impressive. Now, ladies, by the way, that's generally how men communicate. Just one word at a time, all right? But we had this time together. We had this moment. And that's what it is. When you see something that is impressive, when you come across something that is valuable, it is not only that you want to praise that, but you want other people to join in that. And here's the thing. The higher the object of appreciation, the more beautiful and impressive the thing is, the more we're just bursting to let it out and to join with others in praising it. And I'm telling you tonight There is no higher and more beautiful and more impressive thing in the universe than the living God. And the early church knew that so that every time they gathered, they praised, they worshiped, and they wanted others to join in with that praise. In fact, they didn't want to do it just by themselves, but with other people, and they devoted themselves to the Word of God. So they loved God, right? They were devoted to loving God, committed to the Word of God, to the worship of God. But then I said to you there was a second thing. Not only were they devoted to loving God, but also devoted to loving people. Loving people. Does that sound familiar? Love where you live. I mean, that really, from the very beginning, that was the strategy, the DNA of Church of the Island. Love where you live. Loving people. Connecting people to Jesus Christ and one another. And we're talking about people uh, about faith. And here's the reality. This is biblical Christianity. That if you believe that if you believe the Jesus of the Bible, listen, you just can't do it without the church. I mean, if you do, as I said earlier, you're inventing a new religion, something that is other than biblical Christianity, because the movement that Jesus started was not a solo sport. He intended for us to gather together. This is, a, this is not biblical Christianity when you say, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not a part of the church. I don't want to be a part of the church. That is not biblical Christianity. Again, the movement that Jesus started was not a solo sport. So this is a new identity. This is a new community, this early church. And there are some things that we see about it. I just want to highlight very quickly. First of all, it was diverse. It was diverse. Look at verse number 44. Verse 44 says, and all who believed were together. You ought to underline that word together. All the believers were together. Well, who does that include? Well, to understand who that included, you've got to look back a chapter to chapter number two and verse number five, where it says, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, right? Every nation under heaven. There were 3,000 people came to faith on that day. People from every nation. Every nation. And so what was interesting and what was awesome is they had they spoke different languages, different personalities, different backgrounds. But they were all together because they had this in common. Jesus Historians tell us that Christianity spread so rapidly, so quickly, as opposed to every other religion, because it was different. 
It was unique because every other religion, it was was specific to a certain uh, social status, a certain kind of wealth, a certain culture, but Christianity was open to everyone, slave or free, Jew or Greek, male or female, everyone, every background, every personality, every color, every skin, every language, one in Christ. Look up here. What makes the church unique, what makes the church amazing is what we can experience here is different than out there in the world. When people of different backgrounds, different personalities, even different uh, politically, that we come together and we're one in Jesus Christ. What do we have in common? We've been born again. Amen? So not only were they diverse, they were committed. Look at verse number 44 and 45. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, that doesn't mean that they all moved into a commune together. It doesn't say that. But what it does say is that they were fiercely, sacrificially committed to each other. So when one of them was struggling, the others did everything they could to stop the pain. They, they, they held their stuff loosely and they gave generously. And what they understood, what they discovered is that when you live selfishly, when you live your life and holding tightly to your possessions and to your life, then that is a very small life. But the church of the risen Christ is a family in which we love one another and care for one another. So when one of us is hurting, we all do everything we can to stop the pain. That's what the church is to look like, loving one another, committed, being all in. There's a third thing about this early church, this first church, is that noticed it was daily, daily. Did you notice that in verse number 46? And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. Daily, every day. I love the fact that Sunday wasn't enough. That's really one of the signs of of revival. When God's spirit is on the move, when big things are happening, Christians are just passionate about meeting together, and they just can't get enough, and they met day after day, not because they had to, not because, you know, it was a lot of family pressure for them to be there, not because it was just their culture or it was expected of them, not because someone guilted them into it. They came together because Jesus had changed their lives, and they were so excited about it, they just couldn't wait to see what God would do next. See, one of the things that I love, Kathy and I, we we look forward every Sunday to coming to Church of the Island. We love the drive, first of all, but we love coming here. We love gathering because in many ways, this is so simple and so organic, and we see the Spirit of God moving. We see God at work. And so I I pray that one day we would come and gather as Church of the Island Not just when it's decent weather, not when we don't have other things going on, some better offer, but that we come because we just can't wait to see what God's going to do. 
And we're so grateful for what God has done in our own lives that we want to gather with other Christians and give praise and glory to King Jesus. Amen? Amen? Amen. I pray that we would be more and more like the first church, more and more like the early church. But there's going to have to be a brokenness. There's going to have to be a burden. There's the last thing that we see about the church is that, if you'll notice, they met in large and small groups. Did you notice that again? Verse number 46, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. So here's what we know about the first church. The first church gathered every day as often as they could, together. Now, there were over 3,000. See, there were 3,000 that were saved at the day of Pentecost. But there was already a little bit over 100 Christians already. So we know there was at least 3,100 people that every day, day by day, they gathered at the temple. There was this large group gathering. See, uh, it bothers me when people say, uh, well, you know, I don't like a big church. Well, you're not going to like heaven then. Amen, because heaven's one big church, amen? Three thousand, first church, 3,000 people gathered. But what they knew is that there must be this corporate gathering of worship and, and prayer, and there's something electric and dynamic that occurs when the church gathers collectively. But then it also says that they also met in homes. Here's what they knew, first church. They knew there has to be this large group gathering, but then they also knew they needed to meet in small groups for discipleship, for growing, for, for encouragement, for helping one another. And so the Bible says they met where? They met in their homes. That's the reason that some of our, when we first launched Church of the Island, most of our small groups met in homes. And the reason that as Church of the Island continues to grow, we continue to grow smaller in smaller groups. In fact, Pastor Dave and I were talking. We're about to launch another small group. And uh, if you're not already a part of one, you need to be a part of it. In fact, my question tonight is this. Is that true of your life? Is it true of you? Now, by the way, I already know that you're a part of large group gathering because you're here tonight. But are you a part of a small group? You should be. You need to be. It, it needs to be a part of your life. There's one last thing that I want you to see. It's the very last verse, verse number 47. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They gathered. It was important to them to gather. They gathered at every opportunity. They just were so moved by what... Christ had done in their life, they just couldn't wait to gather with other believers to worship, to receive the word of God. Uh, they were in awe of, of, of what God was doing. In fact, it was so dynamic what was happening in the church. Can I tell you what happens in the very next chapter, Acts chapter 3? Acts chapter 3 says that people on the outside who were looking in were amazed at what they were seeing in the church. It's, it's the word ekstasios. It's a Greek word that means to be beside yourself with astonishment. Watch this. 
Every time the church gathered and the believers were in awe of what God had done and what God was doing, those on the outside that were watching were amazed. They were amazed that they were actually taking care of one another. They were amazed at what they saw God were doing. They were so amazed at what they saw happening in the church, they wanted to be a part of it. And the Bible says in verse number 47 that day by day, the Lord was adding to the number. One of, the things, one of the reasons that I love the fact that we gather and worship out here is that all these people riding by and see what God's doing here, they're going to see something amazing. I pray that God shows them and God does something so amazing and astonishing among us that those rest of the people on Dolphin Island, they're amazed. They're astounded. But it's not going to happen if we don't do our part, if we're not committed, if we're not devoted to loving God and loving people. Church of the Island, loving God and loving people. Let's be devoted to that. Let's be committed to that. If we say this is our foundational doctrinal statement, we believe in one holy church and the communion, the fellowship of the saints. If we believe that, then let's live it. Let's live it out. Let's do it. Let's be committed to it. Amen? Let's pray together. Let me pray for us. The band's going to come. They're going to lead us in a song. Can I ask you a question as your head is bowed? Just as I pray for us now, let me just ask a, a simple question. Do you just go to church? Or do you belong to a church? Are you just going to church to be entertained have some need met, some box that you can check off and say, well, I've done that. Do you go to church or do you belong to a church? All throughout the New Testament, God's design is that believers belong to a local church. Anything outside of that is not biblical. It's not biblical Christianity. And would you pray, if not already? In fact, I'm going to ask Pastor David and Pastor Jared to come and just stand here at the front. I'm going to pray for us, and after I pray, we're going to worship together. The altar is open for you to come and kneel and pray. If there's a, a burden or decision that you need to make or, or maybe there's a miracle that you need and you just want to lift that up in prayer, you're welcome to come and pray. These pastors here, they would love to pray with you. They would love to pray for you. It may be that we have some... Some men here tonight, some husbands here tonight, they need to take their wife by the hand and they need to come to one of these pastors and maybe make this statement. We've been going to church, but now we know we need to belong to a church. If, if I wasn't one of the pastors of Church of the Island, I would join Church of the Island. I love Church of the Island. I love the people of Church of the Island. I love what God's doing here. What's God calling you to do? Loving God, loving people. Committed to worship, committed to the word. Stand with me as I pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that in these next moments, I pray that what you see honors you. I pray that what you see is obedience. 
there are some who are gathered here. They have a, a, a big decision they have to make. And Lord, I pray that you would give them wisdom as they cry out to you. There are others who need a miracle. And God, we pray that as they cry out to you, you would grant that miracle. You would move that mountain. There may be some here tonight who've just, uh, for a period of time, they've just been going to church. But God, you've convicted them. You've, you've tugged at their heart. But they're to belong. They're to serve. They're to participate. They're to be engaged. Lord, I just pray that in these next moments, I pray for Church of the Island that we would just be more and more like that first century church, loving you and loving people. God, even in these next moments, as your spirit moves, I pray that we would be in awe of who you are and what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together. This all.